0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Definitely, as we begin a new year, there's a lot of hope and excitement and uh, definitely a lot of kind of looking back at the past year and especially with the last two years being quite different. uh, It seems like we've had a world of change in just the last couple of years, uh, but you know when you face uncertain times and you face you know uncertain situations, things change in ways uh, that you're not expecting. Unexpected changes can throw people off, right? When you're not expecting something, when you're not really uh, looking for something, and it comes your way, sometimes it can throw uh, people off. But God's people should stay on track. Amen. Amen. Right? No matter what curveballs come our way, we should stay on track. And especially as we take a look at this verse and this passage, in uncertain times, we can stay on track because we know that God has a plan. God has a plan. This year, in 2022, God has a plan. Last year, God had a plan. In 2020, God had a plan. God had a plan, and God has a plan every single year. And knowing that God has a plan and a purpose can help us to stay on On track so the question I want you to ask yourselves is are you on track are you staying on track and if we consider this theme of all things work together I think it'll help us to stay on track so I want to take a look at a few simple truths that will help keep us on track when we know this principle of all things work together so first of all we'll take a look at the concrete promise There is a promise that is here in verse number 28. So let's take a look at this promise. We see, first of all, the composition of the promise. What goes into this promise? promise. If you have a recipe, you might have a list of ingredients, okay? So God here is going to give us a list of ingredients. What exactly is included in this promise? You'll notice the very beginning of the verse says, and we know that all things work together for good. Notice that the verse does not say all good things work together for good, right? The Bible makes it very clear, all things work together for good. That means the good and the bad the things that we might like and the things that we might not like the things that we pray god i want you to give me more of this and the things that we might pray god i want you to get rid of this all things work together for good paul knew this principle very well and he knew that all things work together for good He makes mention of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9. The Bible there says, And he said unto me, this is Jesus speaking to Paul, because Paul had an infirmity of the flesh. He had a thorn in the flesh, some physical ailment, some physical problem in his life. He asked God three times to remove it, and God said no. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So God here is saying, I'm not going to remove it from you, this quote-unquote bad thing in your life. I'm going to leave it there. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Here is Paul in response to God's answer of, I'm not taken away from you. I'm going to leave it in your life. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse number 10, his whole attitude now has been changed therefore all right because of what god has told me therefore i take pleasures in infirmities wait hold on a second here paul you enjoy or you have some level of pleasure and satisfaction in infirmities and in reproaches and in necessities and persecutions and in distresses for christ's sake why for when i am weak then am i strong What Paul was saying here is, here's something that is bad in my life, it's a physical problem, I don't like this physical problem, I wish it were gone, and I prayed to God to remove it, and God said, no, I'm gonna leave it there, because, as he said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, therefore will I glory in in my infirmities. I'm glad to have these problems, I'm glad to have these persecutions, I'm glad to have these physical problems, I'm glad to have these things in my life, if it means that I will have the power of God. And so Paul knows that all things can work together and that will change our our perspective on things that happen to us. Maybe something quote unquote bad has happened to you Maybe something bad will happen to you, but if you know the promise that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them where they're called according to his purpose, it can change your mindset regarding that thing. You might pray to God, remove this thing from my life, but if he leaves it there, you'll know, ah, this is one of the things that God has included in the all things in my life. So we see the composition of this promise, which is all things. Some of them are good. Some of those things are things that you pray for. Some of these things might be things that you pray, God, will you remove this out of my life? Paul asked God to remove this thorn in the flesh from his life, but God left it there. So we see the composition. But there's another word there in verse number 28 that's very important. It says, then, we know that all things work together. All things work together. They don't work independently. They work together. This is a group project. All things work together. The good things and the bad things work together. This is why we cannot pick and choose in the Christian life. Picking and choosing in the Christian life nullifies this promise, okay? When you pick and choose in the Christian life, it nullifies the promise because God doesn't say, well, some of these things will work together, but if you have all of these things, it'll work better. He simply says, all things work together for good. If we have not fulfilled that all things work together, then we're missing something in this promise. If you consider your car, you know, you all drove in a car here, right? right? How does your car work, right? You get in your car, you have the pedal, you put your foot on the pedal, and it goes, right? But there's more to it than just I put my foot on the pedal and it goes. The pedal sends a signal to, I don't know, I don't know cars. (laughs) There's an engine in there somewhere, right? The engine goes, right? You put more fuel in there, and then it goes to the transmission, and then it goes to the axles, it goes to the wheels. You got all these different components that makes your car go, right? This part connects to that part, which connects to this part, which goes to this part, which goes to that part, which moves your car forward. if you've got 9 out of 10 components, that's great. But if you've got one missing, you're not going anywhere, right? If you're missing the engine, it's not like, well, I'll go a little bit more slowly, but I'll still make it there. If you're missing an engine, you're not going anywhere, <laughs> right? right? If you're missing your wheels... I mean, your engine could be revving and revving and revving, but you're not moving anywhere, right? All of them have to be, you have to have every single part working together in order for your car to move forward. The Christian life is the same thing. You've got to have all of the components there working together for this promise to hold true. All things work together for good. You know, when you go to a restaurant like Chipotle, right? You go to Chipotle, you stand in line, and the the person asks you, what do you want? And then you could stare at him and say, I want this one, I want that one, I want this, no, I want more of that one, (laughs) you know, you could go down the line, do you want some of this? No, I don't want any of that, you know, and that's fine if you want a burrito for lunch, but if you want the promise of God, you've got to take whatever God gives you, right? God's going to prepare a meal, He's going to put all the ingredients on there that he thinks are necessary, and he's going to give it to you, and he expects you not to pick out little pieces here and there. He wants you to eat it all. He wants you to have it all because all things work together for good. So we have the composition. We know all the ingredients, which is all things. They all need to be there in order to work together, and then we see the confidence that Paul has in this promise. We know, all right, Paul was confident of this. And other believers are confident of this. And you and I can be and should be confident in this. We know that all things work together for good. This will be for our good. All the things, good and bad, will work together. What a wonderful promise. You might face some bad things in your life, but all of those things together will work for good for you. That's the promise of God. And so that gives the believer great uh, 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 confidence knowing this promise, because no matter the situation that you might face, you can know that it's there for a reason. It can help you. You might not like it. It might be uncomfortable, but it'll help you. And God has left it there for a reason. If you pray to God and it removes it, praise the Lord. But if he leaves it there, there's a reason for that. God could have removed it, but he left it there. We might, not know, we might not know why or how all of these things work together, but the Bible makes it clear that all things work together for good. That's the promise. The next part of it, though, is that there is a premise, okay? There's a concrete promise, but there is a conditional premise. There is an assumption that is stated here that is important for us. There are conditions for this promise. You've heard it said in commercials, some conditions may apply. It's true of this promise. Some conditions apply. All things work together for good to them, okay? So there are some people for whom all things work together for good. There are some people for whom all things don't work together for good there's a condition that is stated here. There are actually three of them. There are three conditions that God states in verse number 28 and verse number 29 that are essential for you to know and to have and to fulfill if you are to claim this promise, okay? There's three of them. The first one is you must be a child of God, all right? This promise is is for the children of god verse number 29 at the very end of verse number 29 the bible says that he might be the firstborn among many brethren if you are going to claim the promise all things work together for good for me you must be saved amen you gotta be saved all right you must have your sins to be forgiven you must go to the lord call on the name of the lord acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, acknowledge your sin, acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, was buried, and three days later, he rose again. If you call upon the name of the Lord to be your Savior, to save you from your sins, you will be saved. It's that simple. And praise the Lord for that. That is part of the promise. God does not blanket this promise for everybody. He says, all right, all of you all that are part of my family, I got a special promise for you. And this promises all things work together for good. The first condition is you must be saved. You must be a child. The second condition is stated there in verse number 28. We read it earlier. We know and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them that love God. So we see this second aspect of this condition that God gives to us regarding, okay, all things work together for good to them who are saved, to them that love God, all right? This promise is conditional upon your love for God. Now, there's a lot of things that we could say about the love of God, but I'm just going to take a look at one verse here this morning. First John chapter five, verse number three. First John chapter five, verse number three says, for this is the love of God. Aren't you glad when God makes it very clear? (laughs) Aren't you glad when you can look at the Bible and be like, all right, I know what I'm looking at. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. If I were to ask you, do you love God? We would all answer, yes i love god and then if we were to ask what does it mean to love god we would get all sorts of different answers right what does it mean to love god well i think it means this i think it means that well god here says this is the love of god that you keep my commandments keeping the word of god is to love god those two are linked you cannot separate the two right If you have a very close friend and you know that your friend is allergic to peanuts and you keep taking them out, you know, and buying them Snickers bars and doing all of this stuff and he says, I'm allergic to peanuts. I cannot eat that. You say, oh, no, but I really love it and I really just want to do something for you. You'd be like, I appreciate it but I cannot eat that, I cannot open it, (laughs) I cannot touch it, keep it away from me, (laughs) right? If you kept giving it to me, he would begin to question, are you really my, are you listening to me? (laughs) Do you really care about me? Are you thinking about what I'm telling you? I'm telling you I'm allergic to peanuts, and you keep giving these things to me, I tell you stop giving them to me, and you keep buying me all of these things. I know that you love it, but I cannot have it you would begin to question, I keep telling him this, and he's totally ignoring what I'm saying, right, God has to think the same thing, here's somebody who says that he loves me, but when I tell him something, he totally ignores it, you'd have to wonder, all right, does this guy really love me or not, all right, so here we have it, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, but then he takes it another step, all right, the New Testament definitely takes things another step, the love of God is keeping God's commandments. But then there's another step. And His commandments are not grievous. How do we know when we love God? Not just that we do the commandments, but that we joyfully do them. All right? Are you joyful in the Lord? All right? When the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, are we like, amen! All right, nobody said amen with me. All right, let's try it again, all right? forsake not the assembling of yourselves together we say Amen. Amen. yeah i'm excited we get to go to church we get to be with other believers that's great all right i'm glad for that i want to do that that's really when you begin to see well, what is the love of god not just that all oh, right i gotta go to church in the morning all right you know oh i'm so tired oh all right okay and then you come in and and you're just kind of snoozing along and all right i did my duty right i showed up all right okay all right bible makes it very clear we keep his commandments but not just that we keep his commandments but that we love doing his commandments right i have two kids i tell my kids to do things that they don't like and they let me know that they don't like it And that's okay i understand it i understand that they don't like certain things because you know people tell me what to do and some things i don't like it either and we we understand this but the love of god is god you told me to do this and i'm excited about it now i might be a little bit afraid about some of the consequences that might come i'll be honest or you know i'm not sure how this will turn out and you know there might be some other things But God, you said it, and I I really want to do it. I'm excited about this. And so there's another condition to this promise. The condition to the promise of all things work together for good is, number one, for those who are saved, all right? If you have not trusted Christ as your Savior today, let me implore you, trust in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior today. The second condition to the promise is the love of God. For them, to them that love God. The love of God is that ye keep his commandments and that his commandments are not grievous. We know what people love, don't we, right? You can tell if people love sports. You can tell if people love food. You can tell if people love certain things because they talk about it, right? They love to talk about sports. They love to talk about food. They love looking up things, right? I can tell if people love sports if when I walk over to them and they have their phone and they're on ESPN.com, right? I can tell right away, this guy loves sports. He wants to know what's happening. He's not even watching the game but he wants to know what's happening, <laughs> right? He, lo- he loves sports right some people love food they're always talking about all right there's a new restaurant over here they got a new thing on the on the meal over here somebody told me about this they're posting things on instagram okay i know you love food that's great that's fine that's wonderful and that's okay to love food that's okay to love sports it's okay to love travel it's okay to love these things but this promise is not for those that love food it's not for them that love sports it's for them that love god so that's the second condition to the promise The third condition to the promise is your calling. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good for us if we do it for him, okay? If we do it for ourselves, if I do it for me, that nullifies this promise, okay? If I'm doing something because the only reason I do it is because I want to have this, or I think it will benefit me, we got we, we, we to take a, a, a step back and think about, okay, who is this promise for? To them who the called according to whose purpose? His purpose. To God's purpose. It will be for our good if we do it for him. Let's go back to the car. Let's think about all these car parts. You have the engine, you have the transmission, you got the wheel, you got all these parts. Imagine if all these parts came together and, you know, magically they're able to start talking. And they're able to start griping and complaining about all the things that they don't like, right? You can imagine all the complaints that would come out of this whole situation, right? You can imagine the wheels complaining about everything, all right? Why do I got to listen to this? He tells me to go right. He tells me to go left. He tells me to go straight. He tells me to do all these things. I don't want to be told that. I want to tell him what to do, (laughs) right? You can imagine something like that, right? You can imagine somebody saying, oh, it must be nice for the radio. He gets to talk all the time. I would like to talk. I'd like to tell other people what to do and give them my opinion. You can have all sorts of complaints for all of these things. And and how come he gets to do that? I want to do that. How come he gets to do that when I don't get to do it? You can have all sorts of different complaints in the car. But imagine this, if all the cars were like, all all the car parts were thinking, well, what has he done for me lately, right? The engine is like, what has the wheel done for me lately? What is, you know, the seats are like, what have you done for me lately? And then imagine the owner gets into the car and says, all of y'all be quiet. All of you all are here for me, right? All those car parts are there in order to service the driver. The wheel is there to fulfill a purpose for the driver. The engine is there to fulfill a purpose for the driver. The seats are there to fulfill a purpose for the driver, to get the driver to where he wants to be, to get there comfortably, to get there in good time without having any worries or concerns. Every single part in that car is built and designed around the driver and the passengers. The people that are in the car are the people who are the concern of every single component in the car. The wheel's gotta be reliable because I don't wanna let the driver down. The engine's gotta do his job so that he could get the driver over to the end destination, all of that. All of us here today are here in order to service the owner, which is God. All right, let's not forget that. We are here in order to serve God. Let me put it this way. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. So you don't put your car together, right? I've never put a car together, all right? You bought the car, somebody put that car together. But when it comes to the church, God says, I put the church together every single member of the church i put here together to be a part of this membership of the body ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 in describing this body says but speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things which is the head even christ so the body the church is the body of christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So God's plan is for the membership to edify the body of Christ. So God has two purposes in this plan. The first purpose is all things work together for good, for our good. The other part is that we do all things for his glory. When we live for God's glory, God works all things together for our good. Okay, let me say that again. When we do all things for God's glory, God makes all things to work together for good. If the opposite happens, though, if we live or or if we don't live for God's glory, if we put our good first, I want to do things for my good first, then we get neither. It's not for God's glory, and it will not be for our good. So you either get both of them, or you get neither of them, and it depends on which one goes first. God's glory goes first, and then our good? This promise holds true. All things work together for good. If we put our good first, Before the glory of God, again, nullifies the promise. The condition is not true. If the condition is not true, then the promise does not hold. So all things work together for good to them that love God, to them where they're called according to his purpose. So the third aspect of this uh, verse, these two verses, is then the completed product. So I haven't really answered the question of how could bad things turn out for our good, right? It's one of the questions that you'll see people ask earlier in the verse we saw that all things work together for good what does it mean for all things to work together for good because to one person good might not be good for another person you ever go online and read reviews you ever go on airbnb and start to read the reviews right you'll have one person that says oh the place was great the beds were so comfortable the very next review the beds were the worst beds i've ever slept in my entire life you're like, all right, which one do I trust? Are they good? Are they bad? I'm not really sure. This guy liked him, but that guy didn't. I don't know. Which one do I trust, right? Different people can have different preferences. Different people can have different opinions. Some people say, oh, I love this restaurant. Another person the very same meal would say, oh, I don't know if I'm coming back to this place, right? Good can mean different things to different people. So what does it mean all things work together for good? God makes it very clear what it means all things work together for good because all things work together for good doesn't necessarily mean all things work together for good so i'll die a very wealthy man you may not die a wealthy man that may not be good oh it doesn't mean that you'll keep climbing the ladder of success and you'll never be laid off in your entire life well that that sounds great but that may not fulfill the conditions of this promise because god actually defines for us and gives to us all right, what does it mean that all things work together for good? In verse number 29, he explains it. All right, this is where all of this is going. I'm going to tell you the very end of where all of this is going to go, what my ultimate plan and design and goal for you is. For whom he did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. How is it possible that all things... All things, right? We've all heard about some pretty bad things. All things work together for good. To them that love God, to them where they're called according to his purpose. I don't understand how being laid off from my job could be a good thing for me. I don't understand how I'm trying to witness to my friend and I witness to my friend and now he won't answer me. He doesn't want to be my friend anymore. How could that possibly be a good thing? All things work together for good to them that love God, to them where they're called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. All things can work together for good if it makes you more like Jesus. That's the answer to this promise. The answer to this promise, all things work together for good, ultimately leads to we shall be like the lord the end result is a conformity to the image of his son first john chapter three verse number two beloved now are we the sons of god if you're saved you're a child of god and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is when we get to heaven we will be just like the lord But God is not waiting for us to get there. He's working on this promise right now so that we might be more like the Lord today. The end result is that we would be like Christ. So why does God put certain things in our life? He puts certain things in our life to make us to be more like him. Sometimes it makes us uncomfortable, but sometimes we need to be uncomfortable if we're going to be more like him. If we're going to make a change in our life, sometimes we need to be put out of our comfort zone. Sometimes God needs to do that so that we might realize, you know what, maybe I need to make a change here. Maybe I'm not ready for this and and God needs to grow me. God wants us to be more like Christ. And there's a few different results of what it means to be more like Christ and how that will benefit us. So one of the results of being more like Christ is unity ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ so ephesians chapter 4 we won't get into the passage but god says i have put certain individuals in your life pastors and teachers and apostles in your life evangelists in order that you might be more like me that you might be more like christ and that we would all come in the unity of faith, so that we might be more united, all right? If you look around at your church and feel like, you know what, I don't feel so united with everybody in the church, and there's some great Christian brothers and sisters, I just don't feel that close to, God's solution to that is, all right, I'm going to put some things in your life so that you might be more like Christ, and the more that we all become more like Christ, we'll get closer together, amen? The more that we become more like christ the more we'll be united together in thinking now we also have our personalities we will also have our certain preferences but we'll all be able to do it in love we'll all be able to do it in unity we'll all be able to say you know what i will prefer you above myself i have one thing that i want but you know what i'm gonna prefer you and let you have your way and that brings us into unity so one of the results of this promise all things work together for good is that we become more like christ Becoming more like Christ means we'll be more united together. Another result in the very next verse is stability. Verse number 14, that we henceforth, all right, we just finished the verse, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So, one of the another, another result of being more like Christ is stability. Knowing where you should be and what you believe and where you stand and being able to stay there is another result of being more like Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 15 gives us another. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights, in the world. Another result of being more like Christ is that we can make a difference in the world, right? If you've ever looked out there and felt like, you know what? I want to help this person. I want to make a difference in this person's life. I want to make a difference out there in the world. God's answer to that is, then you got to be more like Christ, right? Let's be more like Jesus Christ. Let's be like him. And as we do so, the light will shine, God will work, and a difference will be made. So here is what This theme is all about all things work together. I know we're going to end it there. Our theme is all things work together. But the verse continues, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So that's God's plan. God says, all right, I'm going to put some things into my child's life Some of them, maybe he'll rejoice over. Some of them, he will pray that they will be removed. But I'm purposefully putting them into his life so that he will be conformed, changed into the image of my son, Jesus Christ, and we will be able to go and make a difference in the world. That's the promise, and that's the theme for this year.